0: being here today if you're here in person or if you're joining us over at our west side campus or if you're joining us online we appreciate you inviting us into your home or wherever you are watching us today and of course as you can tell we're getting ready for VBS at our north side campus And the theme this year is stellar, and I know John already stole my pun, but as you can see, it's going to be out of this world, and the reason why we're doing this is because we don't want any of our kids to space Jesus off. Uh, We also want them to launch a relationship with Christ that will last them a lifetime and lead them to eternity and beyond. That's kind of our hope. been waiting all week to do that, as you can tell. Uh, Last week, we did launch our new series, Holy Heroes. And we're looking very closely at six different characters from the Bible. And each one of the sermons focuses on just one of those characters, so that if anyone's gone on vacation, they don't lose the continuity of the series. Well, having heroes can actually be a very helpful uh, thing in your life. And identifying true heroes is important Uh, Because heroes can become role models who inspire and empower us. And from their examples, we can learn some great principles for life. Well, today, we're going to be looking at the youngest of our heroes. And you know, now that um, we're less than a month away from a very important holiday here in the United States, that, of course, is the 4th of July or Independence Day, I'm wondering how many dog owners do we have in the room today? Any dog owners? Lots of people have puppies. Anybody online, if you have a puppy, you can think about this. Well, let me ask you, on the 4th of July, does your dog ever try to hide on the 4th of July? There's a lot who do. And you know why? It's because one-third of all the dogs have some form of what's called phonophobia, which is the fear of the sound of fireworks. In fact, you know, more dogs run run away from home on the 4th of July than any other day of the year. Now, we may think that's a little bit odd, but, you know, we also have phobias as well, don't we? Uh, for example, there's triskaidekaphobia, which is the fear of the number 13. There are people that are afraid of that. There's omaphobia, which is the fear of navels, which that'd be a terrible fear, because how can you ever get away from that? You're going to take it wherever you go. Um, there's a globophobia, uh, which is the fear of the sound of balloons popping, uh, there 's nomophobia, which is the, this is terrible it 's a fear of being without cell phone coverage, and a lot of us that fear comes true doesn 't it uh, there 's even phobophobia, which is the fear of developing uh, a fear or a phobia and then there 's one more with it, which is what we call a phobophobia, which is actually a fear of young people. Now, you may have not developed uh, a straight up phobia. Uh, of young people, but, but let's be honest. I mean, the older you get, the more intimidating sometimes young people can become. I mean, because honestly, they often display this kind of self-assured swagger, and they can present this certain youthful self-confidence that maybe is a little intimidating. Well, fortunately for us today, the Apostle Paul didn't suffer from ephibiphobia, which allowed him to recruit this young sidekick for his missionary journeys, who literally became his go-to guy whenever there was a church that needed some fresh spiritual encouragement or some teaching. And this young man's name was Timothy. Now, when I thought about preaching on Timothy, I don't think I've ever preached a specific message about Timothy, even though I often have referenced him when addressing one of the two letters that were written by the Apostle Paul to his young apprentice that bear his name and are included for us in the New Testament. And it's pretty obvious when you look at it that Timothy left his mark as a servant of Christ and a leader in the church because his name actually appears 28 times uh, in 10 different books in the Bible. And Timothy was selected to be highlighted as one of our holy heroes literally because of his age when he met Paul and because of what I believe the church in the 21st century is gonna have to be intentional about If we want the church to be here in the future, as well as remaining a place that is relevant for both our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren. And honestly, I want you to know that's why our church leadership has made intentional investments in personnel and in programming and in facilities for our children's ministry and our student ministries. So that we can more effectively lead them to Christ at an age when they are the most receptive to the gospel that they will ever be. And then so that we can help them learn to live as devoted followers of Christ in really a very ever-changing world. Uh, Which really is paramount because our, our young people are the future and yet sadly they are often an untapped resource. I don't know who it was that said it, but I came across this quote. I think it says it well. No segment in society can match the power and the idealism and the enthusiasm and the courage of young people. In fact, this morning, I want to just give a little bit of recognition to our young people today. And so I'd like to ask, if you are 25 years old, Or younger. Would you please stand today? 25 years or younger. Go ahead and stand. Go ahead and stand. Look at that. Come on. Get up. There we go. Yes. Yes. All right. That is awesome. When was the last time we clapped for you in church? Not. Not often enough, we really should be. Well, it was in the city of Lystra in Asia Minor on his first missionary journey in about 46 BC or AD, uh, that the Apostle Paul met a young man named Timothy. And Paul made a very strategic decision in recruiting a young and inexperienced apprentice. And I would actually suggest that you take a little bit of time this week and get to know Timothy a little more personally by actually reading those two letters, First and Second Timothy, written to him by the Apostle Paul, which can be read in less than half an hour. But the question I really want us to pose today is, what could Paul have possibly seen in this young man, this young person? And I actually think today that Timothy can be an encouragement to all of us no matter what age or stage in life we are in, for a number of reasons. Uh, the first one being is that he, he didn't really come from the right background. When you look at where Timothy came from, you'd say, I don't, I don't know if that would qualify him or not. Because here's what we read in Acts chapter 16 uh, when Paul met him. It says, Paul came to Derby and then to Lystra where a disciple named Timothy lived whose mother was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. What we recognize from that is that Timothy was biracial. He was neither fully Jew nor was he fully Greek. And it should just be a reminder to all of us that your background, wherever you come from, that is not a factor for God. Uh, He can use you despite any advantage or disadvantage of your ethnicity or of your family heritage that you bring to the mix. Well, secondly, uh, his father wasn't his spiritual leader. From what we can tell, it's pretty clear that Timothy's father did not provide any spiritual leadership in the home at all. Now, fortunately for Timothy, his mother and his grandmother filled that role. And we see that in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, where Paul writes, he says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded now lives in you also. It would appear that Timothy's father was an unbelieving Gentile, leaving his mother and his grandmother with the responsibility for raising Timothy in the things of God. And apparently they got to it as soon as Timothy was born. And we know that because then in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, Paul just mentions and he says, Hey, from infancy, from the time he was born, he had known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through Jesus Christ. I just want to pause for a moment and say, if, if you're a spouse today who's here by yourself, and the weight of spiritual leadership in your home has fallen on you, I would just encourage you, don't lose heart. Don't quit or give up. You can still have a significant impact on the spiritual direction of your children. And we know that the best thing you can do for your children is to demonstrate to them that your faith in God is real and authentic. And that's because faith in God is more caught than it is taught. And so parents, you can't give away what you don't have. Lois and Eunice had that faith and passed it on uh, to Timothy. And so I'm so thankful for the parents that I have. I've often mentioned I never saw any hypocrisy in my parents' faith. Uh, They didn't live differently on Sunday when they were at church uh, than the rest of the week when they were at home. In fact, I would really have to admit to you today that it was my parents' spiritual dedication that actually led to a drug problem in my life. You see, my parents drug me to church every Sunday morning and back again on Sunday night and oftentimes during the week. (laughs) But they lived it. They lived the faith. Thirdly, Timothy was young. He was young for his role. It was likely that Timothy was between 16 and 24 when Paul uh, called him into ministry to join him. Now, why is that significant? Well, because it meant that Paul modeled this precedent of missionaries, including young people, in their teams to train. And so over time, Paul would pour his life into Timothy. But his age was still gonna be really uh, problematic at times. And we know that uh, Timothy experienced that because in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, the apostle Paul said to him, hey, Timothy, don't let anyone look down on you just because you're young. Then he goes on and says, hey, but set an example. Set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Folks, I gotta tell you, I am, I am so thankful that when, when I was just 26 years old, still wet behind the ears, 26 years old, that there was a 100-year-old church in Iowa that called me to be their senior pastor at 26 years old. And folks, Paul was communicating two very important principles here. The first principle, don't let someone's age be an excuse for not giving them the opportunity to lead. You can lead even from a young age. Now, I want to say to the young people here, because notice what Paul also says. He says, just because you're young doesn't mean you can't set the example for others, which also means that you shouldn't let your age be an excuse for not living up to your potential. And Timothy, fortunately, lived up to his potential because by the time the apostle Paul wrote his second letter to him, Paul was literally ready to entrust his entire ministry to Timothy. And that's a great example for us today for leadership development. Well, then number four, Timothy was gonna need to avoid temptation in his life. I don't know if he had a problem or not. But I think sometimes we think if we're really godly, if we're really godly, uh, we won't have some of the improper desires that we have, and so sometimes I think we might feel spiritually inferior because we struggle with something or or, or we stumble. But you know, according to the Bible, the mark of a godly person—we talked about that a month or so ago—isn't someone who's never tempted. You're going to be tempted. But it's someone who chooses instead to obey God rather than giving in to those ungodly desires. And so just like everyone else, Timothy experienced temptation, which is exactly why Paul actually warned him to be careful in this regard in his second letter to him. Here's what he said in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22. He said, Timothy, you're going to need to flee the evil desires of youth and let's Let's just face it, when you're younger, don't have experience, maybe as much discipline, it's harder. And he said, instead, you gotta pursue righteousness and faith and love and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Timothy needed to avoid temptations. And all I can tell you is having been 20 at one time, and that was a long time ago, and now 61, honestly, that while temptation never goes away, it doesn't ever go away, uh, the potency and the power of some temptations fluctuates, and I think it's harder sometimes when we're younger. But being tempted um, doesn't mean that God can't use you, and so despite being tempted, Uh, by the desires of your flesh. God can still use you. You're just going to need to trust him and then resist those desires. Uh, Number five, Timothy actually uh, had some health issues in his life. And the reason we know that is because in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 23, Paul actually admonishes him and says, stop drinking only water. Now, you got to remember, that's part of the reason for that. Is Back then, they didn't have all the nice bottled water that we have that come from some artesian well somewhere. It's been filtered and all clean, and we can drink it. A lot of the water that they had was problematic. And so uh, alcohol, at least the wine, had some kind of purification in it. And he said, you should do that because of your stomach and your frequent illnesses. And what that should help us understand today is that regardless of your physical condition, God can still use you for his glory, The real question is, are you willing? And the answer is, as long as you've got breath in your lungs, God's not done with you. And so let's see if you got it. On the count of three, let's all take a big breath. Are you ready? One, two, three. You can go ahead and let it out if you want. Don't hold too long. Whose breath was in your lungs? We just sang about it. It's God's breath. You're all in if you're still breathing. Uh, number six, Timothy also didn't have everything all figured out. I mean, even after a lot of intentional mentoring and training by Paul, uh, Timothy still didn't know everything he needed to know. He even required specific instruction well into his ministry experience. And that's even why Paul wrote the, the first letter to him in the first place. Because we see in 1 Timothy 3, 13 and 14, Paul says, although I hope to come to you soon, I'm gonna write you these instructions so that if, I, if I'm delayed, you'll know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of truth. Well, just as Timothy didn't have all the answers, neither will you and I. In fact, sometimes God may call you to a ministry where you don't have the pre-established knowledge that you would hope, but he still called you there. Now, this should be a reminder That I think the feelings of inadequacy that we sometimes feel are no excuse from keeping you from fulfilling God's call, no matter what age you are. And then number seven, uh, Timothy, he just wasn't Paul. (laughs) I mean, let's face it, compared to Paul, uh, Timothy was kind of like the B team, or he was kind of like second string, And while he was Paul's representative, he wasn't Paul. And actually, the apostle Paul uh, kind of uh, abundantly makes that abundantly clear uh, when he writes a letter to a church in Corinth. And and I want you to notice what what he wrote to them. Uh, He said to the Corinthians, he says, Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. And then he said, For this reason, I've sent to you Timothy, my son, whom I love, who's faithful in the Lord. But he's actually going to remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in every church. It's kind of like he was saying, hey, Corinth, I'm sending Timothy to you so that he can remind you of how I live. He's gonna point you to me so that you can uh, uh, then know what Christ is like. And you think, that was Timothy's role? Really? Yes, really. And you know what? That might be our role as well. Uh, We might not get to be first string, but we still have a role. And so the question would be, are you open to God using you in the role that he has given you? Now, I think Paul understood that all seven of the things that we just looked at actually could be overcome because of the one quality that was so evident in Timothy's life. And that quality was that Timothy had a passion for the things of God. Timothy had a passion for the things of God. And I want to remind every one of us here today, and myself included, there are a lot of things that you and I don't have any control over in this life. But every one of us here gets to decide how important Jesus is to us. We all get to decide how important Jesus is to us. And one time when Paul was writing a letter to the church in Philippi, he says some words about Timothy uh, that uh, really explain his heart. In Philippians chapter 2, Timothy had a passion for the things of God. And Paul's decision to invest in young Timothy's life paid huge dividends for the kingdom of God. I told you there's like twenty-eight times that his name is mentioned. Here's just a few, and notice what he's doing. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, Paul writes, When Timothy comes, see to it that he's nothing to fear while he's with you, for he is carrying on the work of the Lord just as I am. First Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 2. We sent Timothy, who is our brother. He's our co-worker in the service of God, in spreading the gospel of Christ to strengthen and encourage you in your faith. And then in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3, Paul even says to Timothy, I urge you as I went into Macedonia, you stay there in Ephesus so that you may command certain people not to teach false doctrines any longer. I mean, he had a powerful impact. And oh to God that we could raise up an army of young people like that who could become world changers. Man, we need that today. And that's exactly why we've made such a huge investment here at ACC in our children and in our youth. In part because 85% of the people who make decisions for Christ are gonna do so before the age of 18. And we wanna capture them uh, when they're most open to that. We also know that many children, when they leave home, they also tend to leave their faith behind as well, which is why our student ministry works so hard to help each student own their own faith before they graduate from high school. And, uh, you know, for many years around here as a church, we've, we've tried to be intentional about being a multi-generational church. And because of that, we got people from all different ages and all different backgrounds, from new babies to people that are in their 90s here every Sunday. But you know the challenge for all of us, wherever we find ourselves at, uh, it, it, we have to be careful about stereotyping. Because you know what we do? We meet one person from one group And if we have a bad experience, you know what we tend to do? We think, everybody that age is bad, or everybody that age is good. Hopefully we have a good experience. I would just want to encourage us in our church, instead of criticizing and complaining about each other, we need to concentrate on reaching those next generations and challenge them to faithfully serve Christ. And instead of trying to compete with each other, we need to respect each other's strengths and help shore up each other's weak spots. What's interesting is that today, for the first time, there are now five generations of of people serving alongside each other in the church. And uh, there are some, I know already, because I saw them first service and probably some here, are from what they call the silent generation. And uh, those were those who were born before 1945. Anybody here who was born before 1945? Let's see the silent generation. Come on, raise your hands. I know it's harder when you're that age. Just kidding. (laughs) Just kidding. We got some people here from that. You know why they were called the silent generation? Because they were raised during a period of war and economic depression. And their motto really as a generation was keep calm and carry on. That's what they learned to do. Keep calm and carry on. And then of course we got a bunch of baby boomers, those born between 1946 and 1964. Let's see all our baby boomers. Lots of baby boomers here. You know what our motto is? Do your own thing. (laughs) That's what our motto is. Then we've got the Gen Xers. The Gen Xers born between 1965 and 1980. How many Gen Xers we got here? Got a number of Gen Xers. That's great. You know what their motto is? Get real. (laughs) Just get real. And then, of course, we got the Millennials. The Millennials born between 1981 and uh, 1998. Any Millennials here? We got some Millennials there. Yes, they're all represented. You know what millennials' motto is? Can we fix it? Yes, we can. And they're going to fix it. And then we got Gen Z, and that's those who were born uh, after 1998. Any, any Gen Zs? We got some Gen Zs that are here. Awesome. Welcome to you. You know what their motto is? You do you. Don't try to be somebody else. Now, just to give you a heads up. We've already got from A to Z, so we're starting over again the next generation. they're going to be calling generation Alpha, also called Gen alpha, and those are those that are born or will be born between 2010 and 2000 or 2025. Uh, and that's going to be followed by Gen beta. And here's what the Apostle Peter says we're supposed to be doing with all these different generations in the church. In First uh, Peter chapter five, uh, he says, "All of you no matter what age or stage you are, you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud, but he shows favor to the humble. And that's important for us because, folks, we gotta acknowledge that there are both advantages and disadvantages of both longevity and youthfulness. There are some advantages and some disadvantages. So what's a disadvantage of longevity? A disadvantage of longevity is You think you know it all because you've lived so long. You think you know it all, and you don't. And I know that because I thought I knew a lot until I found out I don't know as much as I thought I did. In fact, I think someone wisely said one time, it's what you learn after you know it all that actually counts. (laughs) And sometimes what we've learned has become ingrained behaviors that honestly are no longer relevant What's funny to me, somebody showed me this a while back. They said, if if you're going to show somebody on a phone call, here's what they do. And you know where that's from? That's from way back when we used to pick up a phone off of a cradle and hold it up to our head and it looked like that. Honestly, if we were to do it how it looks today, what would we do? We'd do this. (laughs) I'm going to make a phone call. I'm going to call on the phone because that's exactly what it looks like. Um, And this is especially true, folks, in the church where we have a tendency to sanctify the way we do things. And folks, methods are many, principles are few. Methods always change, principles never do. Now there is an advantage of longevity and that is because you have learned by experience. And experience is a hard teacher, but it's a good teacher. And many of us who've lived a long time, we've had to learn uh, the hard way, but by the time you have some age on you, uh, you've worked your way through numerous semesters in the School of Hard Knocks. And you ought to know something that could help you out. Now, there are some disadvantages of youthfulness as well. And the disadvantages of youthfulness is that you think you know it all. (laughs) We all kind of got that problem just a little bit, and you don't. Kids think they're so smart, don't they? Problem is they don't know what they don't know. I mean, there was a four-year-old that asked her mom, can we get a kitten? And the mom said, no, we can't get a kitten. I'm allergic. We can't be in the same house. To which the four-year-old said, well, you can sleep outside. (laughs) Mom said to her six-year-old daughter, hey, someday you're going to have feelings for boys. And the six-year-old daughter said, I already have feelings for them. And the mom said, really? And the six-year-old said, yes, they make me mad. (laughs) And that's probably true. And then another six-year-old asked the question, why do bad guys, why do bad guys always want to take over? And the mom replied, well, they want to be in charge and make all the rules. And the kid said, why don't they just become moms? (laughs) The advantage of youthfulness is that youth tend to learn quickly and easily. Like when the mom told her six-year-old son that she was expecting her third child. And he looked at her and said, Mom, you've got to be kidding me. Do you know how hard it is to raise three kids? <laughs> and he's right. He's right, wasn't he? I mean, that's so, so true. Or the mom who used that phrase, you kids will be the death of me. She knew it was wrong, but she said it. And one of her kids piped up at that moment and said, that's okay, Mommy. We'll, we'll still grow up. <laughs> um, they also, youth, youth also ask questions that we often take for granted, Granted, that don't always make sense. Like Max, who was eight-year-old. And he said, why is there a sign saying it's a hidden drive? It's not much of a secret if they tell you. I mean, that's true, isn't it? Or Michelle, and I can relate to Michelle. Michelle said, why do they call them waiters when we're the ones that have to wait? (laughs) I can feel their pain. But here's the advantage uh, of youth. You, You have yet... To learn by experience and what that allows you to do is to be more open to new ways of doing things which really is going to be important for the church if we realize that the great question every church in this century has to answer is how do we take a gospel that never changes to a world that never stays the same and if we try to do it with the same old ways we're going to become irrelevant in our lifetime Last week, of course, I mentioned the courageous intentions of two of our young adults in reaching lost people for Christ, especially focusing on the LGBTQ community. And I thought it was interesting. After the services were over, there was only one person who came up to me and said, hey, they wanted to support them or maybe participate if they could. Uh, Could anybody guess the age of that person who came up? It was another 20-something. A young person who said, you know what? That's something we should do. We ought to try it. And we got to remember, Jesus kind of led the way in demonstrating the the worth and the value of the young. And it's recorded for us in both Matthew and Mark as well as Luke, this interaction that Jesus had with his disciples after they insulted the significance of youth. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 19? He said, hey, you let the little children come to me and don't hinder them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. What an interesting statement. The kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. I I just want the church today just to recognize we need to be handing the reins of leadership to the younger generations because pretty soon they are going to be ones that are driving the wagon. And we shouldn't be afraid of it. We actually need to prepare for it just like Paul did with Timothy. We need to be raising up a next generation of church leaders because there are a lot of pastors that are my old age and older. That's why I'm so excited. This year, uh, one of our own young people, Jason Hamill, uh, as he graduates from high school, is making a commitment to go into youth ministry. And I thought it would be helpful maybe if he just shared a bit of his story with you today.
1: Well, so it was actually, um, for the longest time I wanted to be an electrician, uh, I worked for my dad's company, Uh, but then I was actually here exactly a year from now, at this camp when I was a a leader doing the exact same thing that I am now, um, that I decided that I wanted to uh, follow God's call to youth ministry. Um, I was here serving as a leader for sixth grade at Camp Como and uh, I was seeing how god had placed talents in my life to to be good with working with kids and to to be able to goof around and play but also focus and um, allow kids to stay focused and be serious and uh, i heard that and i thought that it would be uh, that was where god was calling me to youth ministry um well i think that God gives us all uh, specific talents. Um, Some may be good at sports, some may be good at public speaking, um, some may be good with kids. And I think that uh, God gave me a talent with kids and um, that I don't wanna overlook that. And I think that God made it uh, pretty obvious that um, he was calling me to ministry. um, And I wanted to make sure that I wasn't ignoring that calling and that I was um, go, going down the path that, that God had for me. Um, well, I would say, like I said earlier, I decided a year ago that I, I wanted to be a youth pastor um, and that was where God was calling me. So I would say, don't don't try and rush things. Um, make sure that you're open and listening, and um, being aware of your talents and the situations that God's placing you in. Um, but don't don't try and jump the gun too much. Um, wait for God to show you something or tell you where He wants you to be, um, and be open to, to doing those things. Um, be open to going and volunteering, or uh, really wherever wherever you feel that push from God to to go serve Uh, and it can be God gives us all talents and it can be wherever wherever those talents may lead you good
0: words Jason to every one of us here there's a couple other kids Uh, Mason Wilts is also going to college right now to be uh, a youth pastor Uh, Emma Flaherty is at Ozark Christian College as well and when I I point those out no disrespect for any of our other young people who are going to college for other reasons we need uh, Christian influence Uh, across the board in our society uh, but we're going to need some young people who are going to step up and step into ministry and maybe even some older people as well so be listening or waiting for God's tap on your shoulder a couple things you can just do I would encourage you number one pray be praying about this Uh, the one prayer request Jesus said should be all on all of our lists is ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field you can just add that to your list Uh, You can continue to support financially the work of the church because that's the ministry we've called us to. You can serve, um, and then you can mentor some young people. We'll have opportunities throughout the year for people to step into mentorship. I would just encourage you, if you see a young young person on our campus, uh, just say hi to them and say, hey, we're really glad that you're here, or ask them, is there anything I could be praying about for you? I would encourage our young people. Uh, Let's go ahead and uh, pray, and then we'll be done. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for calling us and working in our lives no matter what age we are, but we, we just pray for these young people such an important time when they're going to make decisions that can really chart the course of their life and pray that you can help us I get them directed towards you. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.